I have problems when China wants to ban feminine boys. And like, what does that mean? You know, uh, it's just troubling to me. And uh, why why must we as- associate being masculine with power and aggression and, you know, being uh, violent and all that or strong, you mm. know, like being the breadwinner? Why can't we be like soft and kind and funny and, you know, things like this, you know, and gentle? I think gentleness is a is is a nice thing to be associated with being a boy. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Spectrum Podcast, your safe space for LGBTQ plus voices, stories and dialogue. I have in the studio with me Brian Gothong Tan, who is one of the leading creatives in Singapore and is best known for his cutting-edge and highly engaging works in theatre, film and installation art. He graduated from the California Institute of the Arts in 2005 under the Shell NEC Scholarship, and Brian's works have been featured in numerous productions that have toured successfully in many countries like Italy, USA, Korea and the United Kingdom. Brian is a winner of the Young Artist Award in 2012, as well as the Singapore Youth Award in 2015. Some of his notable projects have also been featured at the Singapore International Festival of Arts in 2016, and more recent works at this year's Singapore Bicentennial Experience. So we're here today to talk about your upcoming play, The Swimming Pool Library with T-Works which explores some very interesting themes of alternate masculinity. And before we dive into what this means, perhaps we can start with what the play is about. Maybe I, I should explain the title. The Swimming Pool Library actually comes from a novel by Alan Hollinghurst. And it's a, you know, it's a gay novel set in the 80s and uh, set in London and all that. Uh, I was really inspired by this book when I read it in sec 2. Because um, during that time, I didn't really have resources to know I, I mean, I was still discovering my sexuality and stuff like that. So I discovered this book in the library, in Bedok Library, in fact. And then uh, it kind of uh, influenced me in how I look at sexuality and my own self and how the gay world works and all that. Yeah. And I decided to title this uh, exhibition. I wouldn't say it's a play play because it's a, the swimming pool library for me, it's a, it's a part of an atelier a workshop that I'm creating with uh, T-Works that comprises of multidisciplinary works. So I'm trying to break out of just, say, uh, art installation or just uh, doing a play, which I've been doing for the past few years now. So I'm combining all these different aspects. And um, for the play itself, or the performance, uh, I'm using text from um, Exhale, the, the queer anthology that was recently published, and um, I'm using actors to perform it. Yeah. So I understand there are two parts to the play. Um, there's an exhibition and a play as well. Could you share what audiences can expect from each segment? Well, the exhibition really kind of maps out uh, my whole queer journey in in a sort in a sort of way um, from my from the time I came out of the closet in secondary school. I discovered my sexuality. In fact, I I, dif- I divided the installation into chapters. So there is like nine chapters and each chapter really talks about something different. So like 
just just to give an example, like the first chapter is called uh, Service 23. And that kind of uh, talks about my journey to school on Bus 23, mm-hmm. where I was kind of, uh, for six months, I was kind of molested by this JC boy. And that's how I discovered like, oh, you know, like there's something about me that's a bit different. I mean, it was assault, actually. It was sexual assault. Uh, I mean, looking back at it, and I, di- I, I didn't really know how to talk about it. I, I never really told anyone um, I never told my family, but when I hit when I was thirty five years old, I discovered like, oh dear, my life is a bit. There's something wrong with me, you know. That I have all this baggage and all that. Why did I make certain life choices like this? And then I kept looking back. I mean, I should have gone to a th- therapist, you know. But and I realized like a lot of that happened within that part of my childhood where I was like assaulted by that JC boy for six months on the bus, you know, and um, and. Little things along the way, lah. You know, and, and as a boy, you're so, you're kind of expected to behave a certain way, to be strong, like like nothing, lah. You know, it doesn't happen to me. You know, or mm. like it's nothing. You know, so I've I I realized like that trauma actually um made me who I am. I mean, I don't have any regrets because I think I turned out pretty okay, uh, in my line of field and all that. But um, yeah, there were there were some problems in my life, lah. You know, inside internally, mm-hmm. that I kind of uh, wanted to tackle, and then, I mean, that was when I was thirty-five. So, I I never really talked about it until now. I'm forty-one this year, so I decided to kind of formalize it into a into an exhibition. Right. It's so it's not entirely biographical, but uh, it talks about different things. Mm-hmm. You know, like sexuality, assault, uh, masculinity, and stuff like right, that. Right, right. Yeah. So, is this the first time that you're actually talking about those experiences in your life? Uh, kind of, yeah. It was the first time. Um, and then, you know, um, I tried, I, I mean, I told some of my close friends and they, I mean, we don't really have the language to deal with it as well. So I, I'm also cautious about, because it, it was so such a long time ago. Like, but I realized there was a problem when, like, you asked me to recall how the JC boy looks like, right? It's like, I've almost... I remember everything, his hands, his bag, his uniform, but his face is a blank. Mm. You know, it's just it's just his hair, floppy hair covering, and right. his face, I can't even, like, I just want to block it out. Mm. So it's a bit like that. Right, right. Yeah. Um, do you want to share, like, your personal journey? Mm. Like, mm. when you discovered you were gay and mm. what your experiences were like? Yeah, I mean, I kind of discovered, I mean, that experience kind of um, because I was studying in a boys' school and all that. That that kind of experience awakened a sort of like a desire in you as well, right? I I was quite homophobic before that, and um, I grew up in a very Christian family. My my parents, especially my mom, were very Christian, and uh, we went to a very uh, almost um, crazy, <laughs> almost cult like Christian church where we will pray for hours, you know, like for three hours, you know, and we're not allowed to mix with other other people, stuff like that. So, yeah, when that happened to me, I really, it really turned my world upside down. La. And, and then, of course, I had no resources to go to. There was no internet, like the way we have now. So I went to the library. I, I remember those days. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to the library. I discovered the swimming pool library. I discovered a peculiar Chris. I discovered a lot of books that mm-hmm. were uh, great literature, you know, mm-hmm. great literature and uh, great books that really helped me cope with my life. La. Yeah. Right. That's very, very interesting. So mm. what else that's in the play mm-hmm. um, draw from your personal life? Um, I think um, 
almost everything, you know. Like, uh, I didn't want to just... So, so the performance is really uh, kind of... Because I have these 10 chapters in all, uh, the 10th chapter is actually the performance. So that kind of, it's the most like enlightened or like the direction I want to go to. And in the performance, I wanted to expand on just... On my identity, it's not just being gay. I think it's more than that, right? Uh, I wanted to explore like diff- uh, the concept of gender fluidity, uh, masculinities. Um, you know, people who have different experience from me. So that's why I also uh, used the queer anthology like, mm-hmm. from Exhale. That because after reading the poems from there, I was really inspired by the the multitude of experiences people were having. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so the play explores gender roles and labels. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about traditional gender roles mm. versus the expression of such roles in mm. your play. Maybe you can shed some light on this. Well, gender roles, I mean like, I was really influenced by Judith Butler. Uh, I don't know if you know her. She, she's a, a feminist theorist mm-hmm. who kind of um, wrote uh, Gender Trouble. So she, it's it's where she says gender is is performance right gender is performance and uh, it's different from biological sex and uh, she basically states that um gender is nothing more than a repeated sets of actions that are that uh that are repeated in a in a rigid framework and appear appear almost like a reality yeah so they're um She's just telling you that gender is not fixed. Mm-hmm. It's not fixed. It's not nat- it's not a natural thing. It's a construct. Yeah. So um in that sense, um I wanted to explore that I I just want to maybe educate also myself and my audience about how we how gender roles have really shaped our society and how it um restricts us in a lot of ways because we are expected to behave in certain ways, you know, like Simple things like boys shouldn't cry, you know, girls should wear dresses, you know, and things like this. These are very, these are very, um, we think that it's normal, you know, like pink is a girl's color, blue is a boy's color, you know. We see them as normal, but actually if you look back at the history, like things are always changing, you know. Like we, we, we tell like, oh, boys should wear pants only or jeans. Only. But if you look at Southeast Asian uh, dressing in history, everyone wears a sarong and all that, right? So, True. And that's just, and that's still happening now, but mm-hmm. we we have all this like concepts of what gender is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. La. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just want to break that apart. Yeah. Right, right, right. So what do you think is the problem actually with traditional gender roles and in what way does it, is it harmful to society? Um, I think it's that it's, gender roles are harmful because they put you in boxes. Yeah, and you know, we're humans, you know, we're ch- everyone has a different form of expression. And, you know, when, when you have, when you put into boxes, it's also about control, right? Then who is, who is pus- putting us into boxes, right? It's always the, the alpha male, the masculine, the toxic masculinity that is kind of creating this, this hegemonic kind of structure for us. And if you're not part of that club, you know, if you're not a straight white male, then you are not good enough. You won't get the money. You won't have access to a lot of things, you know. Yeah, so, um, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of marginalization. There's mm-hmm. a lot of subjugation, uh, especially if you're a man or uh, if you're a woman, you know. If you're a woman, you know, you, can't, you, ha- you won't have access to a lot of things and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Or if you don't fit into a, what a man should be, you know, mm-hmm. you also don't have a lot of access to things. Like, right. Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned toxic masculinity, so mm. let's talk about that. Mm. Um, 
what constitutes toxic masculinity in your opinion? And do you think that the landscape has changed, especially in recent years? Mm, okay, so uh, toxic masculinity really, I mean, if you want a prime example, if I would say I, we've all experienced it, it's like the Trump era, right? That is the ultimate toxic masculinity with proud boys and stuff like that. Um, this is really toxic. And you know how he, how he talks about women, right? Grabbing there, you know, and stuff mm. like that. It's, it's horrible. Uh. So that's a prime example of what toxic masculinity is. Whether it has exp- improved or changed, I wouldn't say it has imp- I mean, with the younger people, uh, they are more aware of issues of toxic masculinity, but I think it's still very pervasive in our society. I mean, every day we read about uh, news about uh, women getting beaten up b- by their husbands or, you know, we ridicule stars who who confess that their father like abused them or something like that you know we still read that about that every day and uh, you know and, and we always like privilege the man somehow you know the alpha male somehow this is a bit uh, problematic to me mm. yeah and uh, yeah. yeah I don't know if you watched now on Netflix made that series I haven't it's in the top 10 list Um, I watched it over the weekend I think there are like nine, ten episodes. I finished it in like two days. It exactly exemplifies that. It's about mm. so there's a male abuser, mm. the the boyfriend, yeah. and then the father was also an abuser, and then it's it really explores and it was very triggering la, for me personally, and it it really just showcases this whole narrative of toxic masculinity, and and how harmful it is and how painful it is and. And that bro culture especially that protects the fellow alpha male, you know, in that sense. Mm. I I don't know whether I would recommend people to watch it because it's extremely triggering. <laughs> but it was a very, very compelling and powerful story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so all this this gender roles that we play out, you know, when we allow this type of masculinity to fester, right, then it really gives a lot of problems with society. I mean, there's a lot of predatory behavior with young boys in Singapore, like, you know, like in hostels that we, we read about. So when I when I see things like that, I know that like there's still a lot of education that needs to be done with the, with the younger crowd. Yeah. yeah. Do you actually think this is changing though? Yeah, I think it is changing because uh, with, with the internet, you know, like with podcasts like this, like uh, with uh, programs by Ryan Murphy, you know, stuff like that. They they try to create a, or imagine a world that, you know, that we could live in. You know, like queer people are more. Um, they have a more more of a voice now. I mean, compared to my own generation, but you know, I had to find a a book in the library that is obscure and collecting dust. You know, now you can just easily see them in the media and all that. Yeah, mm. so that's great. Yeah. Okay, so as a sort of antidote to toxic masculinity, mm. you have this concept of alternate masculinity. Mm. Um, what do you actually mean by this? And why do you think this understanding of this notion is important? I think alternate... I just wanted to... This fir- First of all, I think we should um, explore what being a boy look uh, means, right? Um and uh, being a boy just doesn't mean your biological sex. I think it, a girl can be a boy, and you know a boy can be a girl. You know, it's things like that that we should we should be a bit more um, fluid. Yeah, alternate masculinities to me 
means like a person can express themselves in any way you know like what I have problems when China wants to ban feminine boys and like what does that mean you know uh, it's just troubling to me and uh why why must we associate being masculine with power and aggression and you know being uh violent and all that or strong you mm. know like being the breadwinner why can't we be like soft and kind and funny and you know things like this you know and gentle i think gentleness is a is is a nice thing to be associated with being a boy you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah i agree 100% um, yeah, I like the idea of fluidity and what you mentioned also about balancing. I think it's about balancing the feminine qualities with the masculine qualities. And for me personally, that's always been like, that's always been the goal in mm. terms of myself, my personal life. I mean, for anybody listening who doesn't know me, I identify as trans male. Mm. Um, I don't sound it, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, it's okay. It's fine and doesn't mean that I have to sound like a man with a really deep voice, you know, that sort of thing. So I totally understand what you're, where you're coming from with this. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I, I think it, it'll be great if like people are not so scared about expressing themselves, wh- whatever they want to be, you know. Mm. I think uh, there should not be any fear in this, in this day and age. Mm. Yeah. But where do you think this fear comes from? It's just a, f- you know, it's, it's, it's just a universal fear of being rejected you know I think when I was growing up I I was I felt alone a lot a lot of times you know especially um, growing up in that environment and um, my art saved me my friends saved me you know and because they showed me a a world that can exist yeah yeah similar story over here like I feel my writing saved me as well you know on that note what would you tell your younger self now looking back I think I'll just tell myself, like, don't worry so much, you know. Um, things will work out if there is love. I mean, that's a very <laughs> sappy thing to say, but it's true. Yeah, I mean, love for yourself. Love mm-hmm. for yourself, yeah. Yeah. Do you think self-love is especially important in our community? Oh, yes. I think there's a lot of... I think I had a lot of hatred for myself, yeah. You know, how how I looked, you know, I was very conscious about I was very conscious about my body, you know, how I look, you know, and things like that. And I was a bit awkward, you know. I'm not, I'm not like, um, I'm not like conventionally handsome. I'm not a jock, you know, that kind of thing, lah. Yeah. So I'll tell myself not to worry so much about these <laughs> things. Because it's all gonna work out, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What would you tell the young LGBTQ people tuning in? What advice do you have for them? Um, my advice is to be smart, study hard so that you can fight your enemies, you know, with, with language and power. Yeah. Yeah. Education is always best. Yeah. I think, uh, that's, that's what I think. Okay. If you had a magic wand and you could change how masculinity is portrayed Mm. in the mainstream media, Mm. what changes would you wish to see? I think I would just, if I had a magic wand, I will maybe change all the gro- 
all the male uh, all the roles be gay <laughs> <laughs> all the male roles become gay yeah why uh? <laughs> because we don't have any role models to watch right actually like, on that note right let's talk about this yeah there are a lot more queer films and mm, series yeah. and all that coming on Netflix and everything yeah. I mean I don't know how much ex- exposure you've had watching them but how do you feel about the portrayal of gay and queer characters nowadays um it's quite interesting i mean i i have watched a bit on netflix especially the thai bl stuff um that there's been coming out over the last few years they're, they're pretty empowering i i feel uh some of them are problematic of course and most of them are kind of have a standard coming out storyline you know um um, but the characters they've introduced, you know, are quite interesting because they portray all spectrum of mm. of the LGBTQ community. So I really like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. One one big issue I have right mm. is, like, say say if it's a lesbian character, mm. they're always always somehow psycho. <laughs> You know, mm. there's some psycho murderer or something <laughs> like that. I don't know if you, you've seen any of those, lah, but that that's a big problem that I have. Okay, so I've only watched mostly the Thai BL stuff. Okay. So when they portray uh, lesbian characters, usually they've been quite interesting. I mean, like some of them were quite progressive that I saw, like like like, like two more fam, uh, two like more fam kind of cap- couple, you know, or yeah, just just different. It's not always like the psycho thing that mm. y- you see. Yeah. Maybe I, I've been watching the wrong ones. <laughs> no, no, maybe I've been watching the wrong ones. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so so to wrap up, coming yeah. back to the swimming pool library, yeah. Um, give me a one-line elevator pitch on why people should go see the play. Oh dear. I, or I don't tune have, in to the live okay, cast. I, I, that's a bit hard, but I think you should come and support it because I think it's a different exhibition and uh, it's interesting. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> and it's... Yeah, I... I I think I stretch myself as an artist because I really work in different mediums. Mm-hmm. So like like I work in uh, ink drawings, I tra- created manga, I, I did sculptures with 3D printing and I did many, many different... I really pushed myself. Uh, so I think visually it's quite rich in mm. that sense. Yeah. Cool. And tell us where people can go to book tickets or find out more. So you can go to PTEX and uh, just type the swimming pool library and the page will come up. And you also can go to the T-Works website. Uh, just... Google T-Works and then you'll find it. Thanks so much for coming on the show today, Brian. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Spectrum Podcast. I want to thank Brian for coming on the show and sharing about this important piece of creative work for the LGBTQ community and also in sharing some of his personal experiences which I hope resonated with some of you. I hope his sharing inspires us all to take a closer look at gender roles and labels and how it translates in our lives, and perhaps also whether we should tweak the way we currently see them. I for one have found what Brian had to say about toxic masculinity and the antidote he is recommending, alternative masculinity, to be quite an enlightening perspective. Because why shouldn't boys and men be encouraged to embrace qualities like gentleness and vulnerability? I believe this would lead to more understanding and empathy. And wouldn't you agree that we could certainly use more of this in the world right now? I'm your host, Jamie Nones. 
And if you'd like to connect with me on Instagram, find me at Jamie, J-A-M-I-E-N-O-N-I-S. And do follow Spectrum Podcast as well. Find us at Spectrum, S-P-E-Q-T-R-U-M-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And be sure to also subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and all other major podcast platforms. And do share this episode with your friends if you find value in this and feel it will help them too. Let's keep these conversations going so that we can create a more understanding and inclusive society here in Singapore. Thank you once again for tuning in. And until next time, I pray that you always have the strength and courage to be who you are and know that you are beautiful and loved just the way you are. Take care, my friends. Thank you.